talk to you about the power of giving thanks. This is a one-off message, not a series. One-off message, the power of giving thanks. Would you stand with me as we read from Luke chapter 17? For the reading of God's word, we stand because we honor God when we hear the words of this book. We believe we are hearing the very words of the living God. And I, can I get a good amen for that? Verse 11 of chapter 17 in Luke's gospel. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance, lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, somebody say one of them. When he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father, it is always a privilege and a delight to enter into your presence. It is an honor to hear your word. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Give us hearts to receive your truth that transforms us, renews us, resurrects us to new life in you. And Father, as I pray every week, may we see Jesus and Him only. In His mighty name we pray and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Have a seat. So a man in Chicago called his son in New York City with terrible news on the day before Thanksgiving. He said, son, i got to tell you something that's not going to make you happy, but mom and I are getting divorced. Son said, no way, dad. He said, yeah, can't stand each other anymore. We're tired of living a lie. We're going to get divorced. Sorry about that. Sorry to ruin your Thanksgiving. And he said, frankly, I'm tired of talking about it. Call your sister in L.A. and let her know for me. So the son in New York called his sister in L.A. said, Mom and Dad are getting divorced. So she said, no way. Not if we can stop it. You book a ticket, I'll book a ticket. We're going to be there first thing in the morning. She called her father back. She said, Dad, don't you do a single thing until my brother and I get there. We're bringing our whole families. We're coming to intervene. We're going to make sure that this marriage stays together. Father hangs up the phone, turns to his wife and says, good news, honey. Got all the kids to come home for Thanksgiving, and the best part is they're paying their own travel expenses. <laughs> Some of you might want to write that down. Okay, call <laughs> children. Oh, <laughs> uh, Thanksgiving. I, I love Thanksgiving. I think this weekend is, this week is so great. But I, I just wanted to preach about giving thanks on this weekend because we don't have to wait until Thursday as the people of God to give God some thanks. Amen, somebody? For the Christian, giving thanks is a lifestyle. It's a 24-hour day, seven day a week, 365 day a year 
a holiday where we remember that our God is always doing something good in our lives. Even if we can't see it and we don't feel it, that God is still working behind the scenes or in the scenes or somehow to bring about his ultimate purpose for his people. The psalmist says it like this, calling God's people to give thanks. Psalm 107, verse 21. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. Hear the psalmist's prayer. I'm asking that men would just realize how good God is. I pray that he would, they would give him thanks for his wonderful goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifice of what? Thanksgiving. And declare his works with rejoicing. The psalmist is praying for us, praying for all men to wake up, men and women, to wake up to the reality that God is good and he deserves thanksgiving for how good he is. Ephesians 5.20 says, give thanks for everything to God. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. you got to learn how to be thankful, friend. you got to learn how to be thankful even for the challenges in your life, even for the things that you don't like right now. Because if you give God enough time, he can take what has happened to you and turn it around for your ultimate good. I think of Joseph who was betrayed by his brothers, cast into a pit, sold into slavery, falsely accused of rape, imprisoned for two years wrongly, rises at one day to the right-hand side of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and becomes a prince among the people, wildly blessed in spite of all the trouble he was handed. And when his brothers came back to reconcile with him, they're scared of letting him know. They're sorry for what they did. And he turns to them and he says, what you meant for evil, my God intended for good. God can take anything that happens to his people, no matter how much hatred was involved in that experience. And he can manufacture something that's beautiful and precious for his people because his hand is on you, his eyes see you, and his spirit is in you to protect you and make you what he wants you to be. Give thanks for everything to God the Father. He's got you in the palm of his hand. Hebrews chapter 13, 15 says this, through him then let us continually, somebody say continually. The Greek word for continually means continually. <laughs> Give thanks continually. The sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our what? Lips. We open our mouths and we say thank you. Jeez, how, how many are glad we don't have to sacrifice um, goats and sheep and lambs and birds anymore? Anybody glad? I'm glad it helps us keep the building nice and clean. Hallelujah. What we do got to do, we got to sacrifice our words to God. Sacrifice our praise. Sometimes we don't feel like it. We still got to do it. Sometimes we come in, we're so sick and tired of being sick and tired. We've got a life that's not just letting us down. People are bugging us. Our job is a pain and a drain, and we think nothing's going right for us, and you don't feel like it. But friends, we are not people who live by feelings. We are people who live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And we come into the house of God sometimes with the worst week behind us, and by faith we give God praise to believe that the week coming is going to be better than the week going because God is still on the throne of the universe sacrifice of praise. I, I want to tell you that giving thanks is where science and faith 
most ardently agree. Science and faith agree. You should give thanks. For as often as God says give thanks, the, the scientists are finding this out. The studies, the research, sociological research, finding out one of the best things you can do for yourself is be grateful. I read this in the Wall Street Journal. The title was, No, Really, Thank You. It says this, it turns out giving thanks is good for your health. A growing body of research suggests that maintaining an attitude of gratitude can improve psychological, emotional, and physical well-being. Adults who frequently feel grateful have more energy. How many of you want some energy? Take your Red Bull, you take your monster drink, you take your caffeine, three cups of coffee. How many of you need three cups of coffee just to get going in the morning like me? Come on, somebody. Come on. How, how about this, though? How about be take, instead of vitamin B, take a vitamin B grateful. Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> Preach a joke. Okay, moving on. Uh, adults, who are, <laughs> adults who feel grateful frequently have more optimism, more social connections, more happiness than those who do not. According to studies conducted over the past decade, they're less likely to be depressed, envious, greedy, or even alcoholics. Being thankful can get you out of alcoholism. Somebody say amen. That sounds good to me. They earn more money. They sleep more soundly. They exercise more regularly. And they have a greater resistance to viral infections. All because they give thanks. Kids who feel and act grateful tend to be less materialistic. I wonder about how many parents are here today and you are planning to overspend as usual on your ungrateful children for Christmas. You need to learn how to teach them to be thankful for what they got. They don't need to keep up with their best friends. They don't need the latest styles all the time. They need to learn how lucky they are just to be in this country. And to be raised by loving parents like you people who love Jesus enough to get them here to church on Sunday. Hallelujah. It says kids who feel grateful, they're less materialistic. They get better grades. They set higher goals. They complain of fewer headaches, stomach aches, and feel more satisfied with their friends and families and schools than those who do not. An article in the Washington Post said in one study, 88% of suicidal patients reported feeling less hopeless after writing a letter of gratitude. Being thankful can save your life. And this is why I want to talk to you about it. Because here's the problem with American culture and American scheduling. In four days, you're going to gather around a table. It's a wonderful table. I love this table. It's my favorite table. It's the Thanksgiving table. We're going to have some turkey, some roast lamb if we're lucky, with some mint jelly, and some stuffing, mashed potatoes, string beans, carrots, peas. We're going to stuff ourselves silly. We're going to get some cranberry sauce. How many know it's supposed to be shaped like the can? Hallelujah. Don't you be giving me that organic cranberry stuff. Give me the stuff that's highly injected with high fructose corn syrup to the glory of Jesus. If God had to do it all over again, he'd be having that stuff grow on trees in cans. Come on, somebody. We're going to put all that stuff in our stomach. We're going to sit down and watch some football. Maybe play some football in the yard. Maybe play some cards with the family. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to just have a good time. Then we're going to, what are we going to do? A little bit later, we're going to get back to the fridge. We're going to get some toast, some lightly toasted slices of bread. We're going to put one down. We're going to put some cold turkey on that sucker. 
some mashed potatoes, some stuffing, thinly sliced, circular shapes of cranberry sauce. Come on, somebody. Gonna put some gravy on there to glue it all together, put another piece of toast on it. Uh, before we put the other, a little bit of leftover Halloween candy, put some more toast on that. Stick that sucker in our mouths and watch the nighttime game. That's my idea of a wonderful Thanksgiving day. Praise be to Jesus. And as good as that day is, what comes next? I gotta get, 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 I gotta get. So how long do we give thanks? Isn't it amazing how, how the, I think it's almost like the enemy has set us up to be grateful for as short a time as possible. He moves us from gratitude into an attitude of I got to get as quickly as possible because he knows how good being grateful is for you. So listen, I'm, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. I want to help you avoid the gimme machine that comes right after the grateful moment in American life. We are Christians. We are children of God. We should be giving thanks in all circumstances. Now, I am not saying be legalistic and don't go shopping on Black Friday. That's not what I'm saying. Because you might see me in the store, and I don't want you to be like, hey, what are you doing here? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, look, there's nothing wrong with that stuff. But what's wrong is when we, when we allow the cultural dictates of the day to determine what kind of spirit and what kind of attitude we're going to have. We're the children of the living God. And we can, be, we can be grateful every day of our lives. Scripture says be grateful for your good. I want to give you some points before we get to this Luke 17 about giving thanks. According to the Bible, number one, if you're taking notes, write it down. Giving thanks is a perspective elevator. It elevates your perspective. Gives you a better outlook on life, friend. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say the next two words, everybody with me, one, two, three. Giving thanks. Whatever you do, Give thanks. I don't like my job, but you have one. I don't like my marriage, but you've got somebody with you. Some married people need to remember what it's like to be single. Some married people need to go on, go, go separate for a week, see how you do. See how lonely you are. See, see how, how glad you are that they're in your life. I used to, I, I used to, uh, I went to seminary late in life, and I went to, later in life, and I went to, um, college, I went to the school for a week. And, and I had to go and study with all these seminarians, and then I'd come back. Man, I loved my children when I came back. Woo! Man, I was like, oh, honey, let's go. Come on, baby. Hallelujah. Let's go. Like, I just needed her to hug me, touch me, love me, because I, I, I forgot how lucky I am. Sometimes that's the case for us. We need to give thanks in whatever we're doing to elevate our perspective and remember how good we got it. Some of you are like, well, I'm not married. You're making me feel terrible. Yeah, but the potential of marriage is there. You, know, you don't have to check everything you do by somebody else who's living in your house. 
You got a little bit more freedom, a little bit more opportunity, a little bit more time on your hand to do things for the Lord, to give your life fully to his purposes, to build yourself, educate yourself, to develop yourself. You got opportunities here when you're not married. And you need to learn to give thanks for this season of your life because marriage is not the ultimate experience of the human of, of life. It is also, it is not, marriage is not the ultimate goal of the human existence. You are a child of God who can live according to his plan and purpose and you don't have to follow anybody else's pattern of behavior. Give thanks in whatever you're doing. I read this this week. You got more to be grateful than, more to be thankful for than you realize. Someone wrote this. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you were more blessed than the one million people who died this last week. Be grateful that you're alive. If you have never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, the pains of starvation, you are ahead of 500 million people in the world. If you can attend church without the fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are more blessed than three billion people in the world. And finally, if you have spare money in the bank, in your wallet, or spare change in a dish someplace, you are among the world's top 8% of the wealthy. Anybody feeling better about your life? We got more to be thankful for than we realize. Number two, giving thanks is an anxiety killer. More than ever before, people are taking drugs for anxiety. Turn into the bottle because they're anxious. Turn, turn, turn into, I don't know, some, some evil habit that's destructive because they're scared and they're worried and they're anxious. Can't sleep because you're anxious. Can't rest because you're anxious. Philippians 4, 6 gives us the pattern. Be anxious for nothing. But, but notice the Bible doesn't just say, hey, stop worrying, stop worrying. It doesn't say that. In everything by prayer and supplication, with, say it everybody, with what? Thanksgiving. thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. We give thanks in our prayers. Hey, when you're, when you're praying, don't just bullet list what you need. Come to God and say, I thank you for what I got first. Let me thank you for what you've done in my life. Let me thank you for how many things I've already got. Because here's what you need to understand. Anxiety, Oswald Chambers said this. Anxiety is contemplating your future with God not in it. And you need to put God in your future. Oh, I got that meeting I'm worried about. Yeah, but God's going to be with you. Oh, I, I, got that, I got that bill I got to pay in a couple of weeks. Yeah, but God is with you. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get the mortgage settled. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, but God is for you, not against you. Start to believe it and remind yourself you got more to be thankful for than you realize. And thankfulness in our prayer time helps us remind our spirits how good God's been in our past so we're confident in our present he's with us and our future will be secure because he's going to be there too. He did it before. He'll do it again. Number three, giving thanks. Number three, giving thanks is an attitude changer. It'll change your attitude. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 9. I will. Somebody say, I will. The reason why I ask you to say this is because I will means I have decided. I will. Not I feel. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Notice what else he says. I will. Decision. Recount your wonderful deeds. I will recount. Have you ever taken a time just... List out the wonderful things that God has done in your life. 
you recounting them, recounting them, recounting. I will recount your wonderful deeds. And then verse 2, I will be glad. Notice how he ties gladness to first making the decision to be thankful. This is where science and faith agree, right here. If you learn to be thankful now, you'll be glad later. If you learn to be grateful in the present, you will be happy in the future. It's okay to know you can be happy, but you got to be happy the way God has prescribed you to be happy. Give thanks for what he's done in your life and watch the happiness quotient start to elevate in your life. I, I, I heard this quote, if you don't, if you don't speak... I'm sorry, if you've forgotten the language of gratitude, you'll never be on speaking terms with happiness. You've got to learn how to be grateful. Number four, giving thanks is a mind stabilizer. Giving thanks will keep your mind from going crazy and making stupid decisions. Look at what it says here in Romans chapter 1, Paul talking about the demise of human existence. He says in Romans chapter 1, he says, for although they knew God. Okay, so who's the they here? The they here is every human culture throughout human history that has decided they were smarter than God. Every human culture throughout human history that decided they were smarter than God. And here's what he says happened. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or what? Or Give thanks to him. How important it is to give thanks to God. But because they didn't give thanks, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Why? Because they didn't say, thank you, God. If there's something that defines American culture in 2017, it is that text. I'm looking at our culture, I'm looking at our country, I'm looking at this world, and I'm seeing the smartest people in our country are dumb as bricks. I want you to think about the fact that you gotta go to graduate school, pay $150,000 to learn the lie that men and women are the same. You gotta pay $150,000 to learn something a two-year-old can tell you you're stupid. They're different. And it's okay, they're different to the glory of God. And some of you send your kids to these schools to get indoctrinated into confusion. Absolute confusion, American culture 2017. It is becoming absolute foolishness and nonsense. I read this week, Harvard, Harvard has sex week. Sex week. They're teaching kids how to engage in sodomy in sex week. This is Harvard. University, where our doctors and our lawyers come from, in their thinking, they became fools. Why? Because they didn't give thanks to God. I remember the Bible tells me in Babylon, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were 10 times smarter than the philosophers and the astrologers and the scientists of the Babylonian age. Why? Because they lived humbly before God and gave him thanks and did their studies and did their work and it showed and God elevated them in the midst of a crazy culture. Listen to me, Christians. You can be elevated just by giving God thanks in the midst of a crazy culture. Don't curse the darkness. Give thanks to God and love God and watch God do great things through you to bless this 
this culture. So that we can still be that shining city on a hill to the glory of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. Giving thanks is a mind stabilizer. Number five, giving thanks is a God magnifier. What are you magnifying with your mouth? Psalm 69, 30. I will praise the name of the Lord with song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. How many of you spend your days, oh, I, I hate this job, I hate this job. Oh, these kids, oh, oh, my spouse, oh, this job, oh, this life, oh, I wish I had, oh, oh. And you just magnify all the things that are wrong. And here's what you got to do. You got to learn how to magnify God. It magnifies God in your life when you give thanks to him for what he's done for you, for your own sake. I'm telling you, for your own sake, develop an attitude of gratitude daily. So Luke chapter 17. Let's take a look at a guy who models thankfulness. And we're going to find out how do we model thankfulness. I want to recap the scripture for you real quick. It says on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing through Samaria and Galilee. Jesus is going to the cross. He's on his way to die for our sins. He's on his way to give his life for us. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers. Leprosy was a debilitating disease. We didn't solve leprosy until a couple hundred years ago. Leprosy literally rotted people from the inside out. If you were a leper, a lot of people have misconceptions about this. Your hands didn't just fall off. No, leprosy, we now know it as Hansen's disease. Leprosy actually attacks the nervous system of the body. And it causes you not to feel things in your extremities. And so you don't feel a cut. And sometimes, you know, I, I cut myself all the time. And I, I hate getting cut. I hate having a little slice in my hand. I mean, anybody with me, I hate having a little open wound. But you got to be thankful for the fact that you feel the pain because the pain teaches you to do something about the cut. But anyway, if you have Hansen's disease, you don't feel the cut. It gets infected. And before you know it, you've got an infection that's going to take your finger off, your hand off, your leg, whatever it is. That's what, that's what Hansen, that's what leprosy did. Leprosy was something internal that started to manifest its effects externally. If you were a leper in Jesus' day, you had to be cordoned off to, from society. You couldn't go to the temple. You couldn't go to church. You couldn't have human contact. The only people who could touch you were other lepers. And, and there was no solution to leprosy. It's actually, I, I found this out, leprosy is the oldest human disease. You could say that leprosy has been around since humans have been around. Why am I telling you all about leprosy? Because leprosy is a theological symbol of sinfulness. Leprosy is solved by science and medication, praise be to God. But sin can only be solved by Jesus Christ. And just like leprosy, sin attacks you inwardly and manifests itself outwardly. This is why you can't solve sin with external programs, external help education, 
philosophy. No, your heart is stained with sin. The reason why people sin is because their hearts are filled with sinfulness. We are disconnected from the Father, and therefore we make all kinds of terrible decisions, and we don't feel things that hurt us in the long run, just like leprosy. And I got news for you. Leprosy was a serious problem until Jesus showed up on the face of the, of the human race, and sin was a serious problem until Jesus showed up on the face of the human race. And I want to tell you today that Jesus, just like leprosy, can take your sin and solve the sin problem in your heart so that you can live to the glory of God, strengthened and empowered by his amazing grace. He can give a, 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 a sense of how to feel what's right. I wonder how many of you, you want that. You want that discernment to be able to make good decisions for your life and for your family because sometimes you don't know what's right and what's wrong and you want to be able to feel, oh wait, no, that's going to cut us. That might get infected. I'm going to stop that. I'm going to keep this out of my house. I'm going to keep this away from my children. I'm going to keep this out of my mind because I know that God has made me for good things, not terrible things. And so they, verse 14 says, when they saw Jesus, they cried out to him. In verse 14 he says, go show yourself to the priest. Now, the priests in that day were the health inspectors of Israel. If you thought you had been healed of leprosy, you would go back to the priest. He would examine you, and then he would perform a little ritual to declare that you had been cleansed of your leprosy. Then you had to shave all the hair off your body, be washed, and anoint yourself with oil, and re-enter society eventually. So what Jesus is saying by saying, go show yourself to the priest, here's what he's saying. Listen, he's saying, I want you to live like you're healed. I want you to believe what I've said. I want you to receive it for yourself. And I want you to go forward believing it's true for you. Hear me, Waters Church. This is what it means to come to Jesus. You believe what he has said. You receive it for yourself. And then you live like it's true. You believe that God sent his only begotten son to a cross to die for your sin problem. You believe that your sins were nailed to the cross with Jesus. You believe that your sins were buried in that tomb with Jesus. And you believe that on the third day, God raised his son to everlasting life and righteousness for your justification. And he gives you his righteousness and makes you an accepted child of the living God. You receive it and you believe it and you walk forward living like it's true. This is what this text is teaching us to do. Live like Jesus is alive. And then it says this, they walk out and they walk on their way and they get healed. And then verse 15 says, then one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back and praised God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face giving thanks to Jesus. And I want to show you how this man models thankfulness. For anybody who's been saved by Jesus, anybody who's been touched by Jesus, I want to give you four points and then we're done about what it looks like when we exercise thankfulness. Okay, number one, when I exercise thankfulness, I schedule it. I schedule it. He turned back. He said, okay, I'm going this way. Wait, stop. I'm healed. I got to turn back. I got I to gotta take time out. Time out from crazy culture. Time out from... Black Friday shopping, crazy schedule, and say, wait a second, wait a second. God, I want to give you some thanks. Are you scheduling thankfulness regularly? Because it's good for you. What are you doing right now? You're in the house of God. What are you doing? You're giving God thanks. You stopped, didn't you? You could have let the, you could have let the rain keep you at home. You didn't do that. 
Oh, I got a lot of Christian friends that I know. They don't go to church when it's raining. And they live in New England. That means you go to church about three times a year. Amen, somebody. I mean, seriously. You got to stop. You got time out. Wait, and listen, you don't come to church to earn brownie points with God. Can we, can, we get, can we solve this? Can we get this settled in our hearts? You didn't come here today that, to, to like appease the Almighty so that he'll give you a good week in the future. Like people do this all the time. Maybe you made a deal with God. God, I'm going to go to church every week. If you just let that girl at the office think I'm sexy, I'll go to church every week until Christmas, God, until Christmas. How about that? And you make these deals. No, you don't go to church to earn brownie points. You couldn't earn anything from God. He gave you the greatest gift he could give you and his son 2,000 years ago. What makes you think you can earn anything else out of his hand? He's ready to give. Jesus said, ask, and you shall what? He didn't say, make a deal. He said, just ask. He's ready to give. So what do you come to church for if you don't earn brownie points with God in church? Here's what you come to church for. You come to church to say time out to crazy culture and say thank you to God. Stop what you're doing. I thank God churches every week. How, how many are with me? Amen. I think about how wonderful it is to be part of a life-giving church. All my life growing up, I hated church. I dreaded church. I went to the most life-sucking church on the planet. You'd wake up on Saturday and say, oh, my gosh. Tomorrow's Sunday. We gotta go to church. Go to church, and the preacher would just yell at us for 45 minutes about how bad we were, how terrible life was. And we just nobody wanted to go to church. Nobody wanted to invite friends to church. And I used to just sit there, be so bored, so so mad. And I look at the church. I say, Why is Jesus so cool and his people so crazy? And I said, Lord, if I'm ever privileged to be a leader of a church, I want to make a church where people love bringing their friends to church, where people love showing up, where people sing with all their hearts, and they're not afraid to lift their hands and say that God is good in the house of God, and then live for our community and bless people who don't know Jesus, because that's what Jesus did for us. You got to schedule this time. You got to schedule time to give God thanks. Maybe the first thing in the morning, instead of turning on the television, instead of getting on Facebook, instead of checking out Instagram, in the first thing in the morning, open your Bible on your iPhone and look at what God has done and read a psalm and give thanks to God for what He's given you. Schedule it. Number two, I exercise thankfulness when I say it. Somebody say, say it. This cop out, this cop out among Christians who don't sing. Well, God knows my heart. God knows my heart, so I don't have to sing. I don't have to give thanks verbally. Okay, that doesn't work for any other relationship in your life. You don't call the office in the morning and say, I'd come to work today, I don't feel like it, but you know my heart. <laughs> you, don't, you don't say to your spouse, I told you I loved you 10 years ago. If anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> you don't do that. You know, you know, you need to hear it from people, and you need to say it to people. Thank you. Thank you, God. And notice that he said it with a loud voice. How many know spiritual people are loud? you got a spiritual preacher. Hallelujah. I love being loud. I just do. I'm loud everywhere. That's how I am. I was raised Pentecostal. We were loud all the time just for the sake of being loud. But we got something to be loud about. Why are they so loud at Gillette? Why are they so loud at TD Garden? Why are they so loud at Fenway? Because they think they got something to be loud about. Millionaires are beating other millionaires in a sport. Yeah! <laughs> Can we get some perspective here? Yeah. 
They don't fix your marriage. They don't raise your kids. They don't put food on your table. They do nothing for you except take money for their tickets. Would you stop worshiping them and start worshiping Jesus who shed his blood for you? Hallelujah. Get loud. Tell him that you love him. It's okay. I don't know. I just get so ticked at that stuff. I get so ticked at that. Some of the Christians, Christians go bananas that the patriots lose. Get, get Jesus, man. So you schedule your whole life around when they're playing. Like in our church, oh, can't schedule that meeting during the Patriots game. People won't show up. Are you kidding me? This is the church of Jesus Christ, the greatest organization the world has ever seen. It's changed the world. I'm proud to be a Christian, and I'm proud to be loud for my Jesus. Amen. Psalm 20, verse 5 says, May we shout for joy over your salvation. In the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill his promises. Verse 20, uh, uh, I love this in the message version. Psalm 20, verse 5 in the message says this, When you win, we plan to raise the roof. Somebody say, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Psalm 33, verse 1 says, shout for, joy, shout for joy in the Lord, O righteous. Praise befits the upright. Psalm 41, uh, 7, verse 1 says, Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. It's okay to be loud for Jesus. Amen. Number three in your, in your notes, I exercise thankfulness when I show it. You say it, you show it. You schedule it, you say it, and then you show it. He fell on his face. If you, would be, if you had been healed of a debilitating disease like leprosy, you'd fall on your face too. And he gives thanks. I just, I, just, I just wonder sometimes, you know, I'm all for the posture like this because I was raised Pentecostal, charismatic people. Yeah, I'm all for this posture. This is a good posture. How about this posture? How about this posture? Thank you, Lord. Have you done this lately? Have you done this? I mean, seriously, we bow before him because he's not just Savior. He's Lord and Master. He's in charge, and we surrender. I do what God says even when I don't like what God says. Oh, no amens for that. That must have really shot some people right here. I, I do what God says even when I don't like what God says. Amen. Sometimes he knows better than me. Amen. Actually, all the time. How do you show thankfulness to God? How about this? Give God your first tenth. That's how we show thankfulness. We say, God, everything I make is from you. You give me the ability to earn. And I'm coming to you with the first tenth. And I'm saying, thank you, God. I believe all things are yours anyway. They're not mine. I have tithed my entire professional life. I've given God the first tenth because I will never ask people to do what I don't do personally. And I give God the tenth to remind myself this is from God. And I can tell you I am a living example. We've got hundreds of people in this church who say the exact same thing. The moment they surrendered their finances to God was the moment their finances took off and their heart was less anxious about their bills. You say, Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. Here's why you can't, because you do it last. 
You, you pay the mortgage company, you pay the electric company, you pay Verizon, you pay your cell phone first. And none of those companies know your name. None of those companies care about your family, your marriage, your children. All they care about is you paying your bill on time. And you have shown more honor to those companies because you think they're your source. They're who bless you. No, they aren't. God in heaven is your source. God in heaven is the one who blesses you. God knows your name. He's written it down in the Lamb's book of life. He's your father. He's your savior. He's your Lord. He's your owner. He's in charge. you got to show him honor and watch him bless you with favor and prosperity in the future. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So, some of you, listen, listen, don't get sucked up into, i got to buy this season of life. This is the season i got to spend myself to oblivion. No, you don't. Who told you you had to do that? Where would you hear that lie? Well, if they buy for me and I don't buy for them, they're not going to lie. So what? Let that go. If you need to buy your friends gifts to have them like you, they're not real friends. Your Father in heaven is worthy of worship and praise. Let that stuff go. Don't get sucked up. Don't get sucked up into the vortex of the Christmas shopping crazy season. Got to give my kids $800 worth of gifts. What are you talking about? Teach your children. Be thankful for what you got. Be thankful that we, we live in this country. Be thankful that we're free. Maybe, maybe the best thing you do is buy your family a, a trip to Africa and go and look and see. Go to El Salvador. Look and see. You'll come back totally changed because you got so good in this country. Amen. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm preaching. Number four, finally, when I, when I exercise thankfulness, I saturate my soul in God's salvation. Thankfulness saturates the inward part of me. Ten men get healed, one man comes back. Ten men get healed, one man comes back. How, how, how amazing that is, is the same still today. On the face of the earth, the sun rises on every human being, and very few people say, thank you, God. It says this. Look with me, last verse. Don't pack up just yet. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Those two questions frightened me because Jesus counted. He took note of who wasn't there. He's looking for thankfulness. And then it says, was no one found to return and give God praise except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Another translation says, your faith has healed you. The word here for made you well is one word in Greek. It's the word sozo. It's the word we get salvation from. And we think salvation is just, you know, getting to heaven when you die. No. Salvation is a total human experience. I want you to hear me real quickly. God doesn't just want to save your soul. He wants to save your body. He wants to save your mind. He wants to save your spirit, your emotions. And guess what else he wants to do? He wants to save you socially so that you don't have loneliness and, and isolation no friends and no family. He knows you need a family. That's why he gave us the church. And so listen to me. 
I see this in this text, that what those other nine lepers missed out on, this one got. Healing mentally. Healing spiritually. Healing emotionally. Healing physically. And the best part was healing socially. He could go back home. He could touch people again and have them touch him. He could have a family. That's what God has come to do for you and for me. How do we get, a, how do we get in on all that good stuff from God? We say thank you.